Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Today we come to the table of the Lord affirming the work of God in the world, declaring that God has made the first move towards us in Jesus Christ, and as a church on the move, we are fed by Christ himself at this table, for our journey is to present the living Christ to a world in darkness that all might move from death to life. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as we continue in this powerful message, this powerful letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And today, we talk about confidence. Listen to the word of God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word. And by your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would breathe life into our lives through your word that your light might break forth as we go into this world to share you with others. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. So just last week I wrote a letter of recommendation for someone. I actually regularly write letters of recommendation um, in my role here. Perhaps you're in a position to write some of these letters for others as well. Perhaps you've recently written a letter of recommendation for someone, or maybe you've asked someone to write you a letter of recommendation for a job maybe you're applying for, uh, for an application for school or to become a member of a board or a team. Letters of recommendation are really helpful because they give insight into who you are, your work ethic, your character, written by someone who knows you, has spent time with you. Such letters are really helpful for those who might not know you and need to. Letters of recommendation were quite common in Paul's time. Theologian N.T. Wright tells us that in the ancient world, letters of recommendation were very important. Those who traveled for work purposes carried letters with them to affirm who they were and what their business was. We also know from early Christian writings that the practice of writing letters of recommendation was a way of authenticating those who claimed to be servants of Jesus the Messiah. So when we open our text today, and Paul asks the Corinthians if he needs letters of recommendation, he's referring to a very common practice. On appearance, it seems like a reasonable request for one who travels, plants churches in lots of places, and is constantly meeting people who might not know who he is. But how do you verify God's authentic work in a place? As we've been discussing over the past several weeks, Paul's relationship with the Corinthians has been complicated. 
Paul was the father of the church movement in Corinth. He was the founder. They do know him. They have heard the gospel from him. They have ministered side by side with him. But since he has left Corinth, it seems like some people have been in and out of this new church with their own letters of recommendation and calling into question who Paul really is. In the passage just before ours this morning, Paul refers to those people as folks who are peddling the word of God. It's not a compliment. His credibility has been consistently undermined and it has caused a great deal of pain for all. He's had to defend himself on several occasions with the Corinthians. But Paul's question here about whether he needs letters of recommendation is more rhetorical for them. It's for their own self-reflection. He's not really asking them if he needs a letter of recommendation. Rather, he's compelling them to reflect on where their confidence lies. He takes the opportunity to reframe a common practice of authenticity, and he encourages them to search elsewhere for a sense of clarity of God's work in their midst. Look around you. What do you see? You will discover, Corinthians, that you already have a letter of recommendation, and it's not written on paper or stone tablets. It's not written with ink. You are our letter, known and read by everyone. Paul writes, not only am I not attaching a letter of recommendation, look at yourselves. Surprise, you are the letter. Verse three, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. It's as if Paul is saying, the spirit of God has taken hold of you, my dear Corinthians, and God is writing his story through you for all to read. When I preach the gospel to you, the work of God took root and grew this fellowship of believers in your city. Your hearts carry a letter from God. Don't revert back to asking for pen and ink. The spirit of God has given you all that you need. Be the letter of Christ in the world. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke about a time when God's word would move from tablets of stone to hearts of flesh. God's word would no longer be an external letter but an internal reality. A time will come when I will make a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Similarly, Ezekiel in chapter 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Paul's indicating that the time of the new covenant has come. Because of the spirit of, or because of the risen Christ, the spirit is now alive and moving among them. They are new creations and all who come in contact them with them will be able to sense new life surging through them. Yes, God is still about writing letters, but now he's moved as he promised from tablets of stones to hearts of flesh. He's no longer writing with ink but with his own spirit. I want you to think about your own story this morning. When did God first start writing on your heart? Was it through a person who shared the good news with you? 
when you began reading God's word? Did he start writing on your heart then? When did your heart first begin to show signs of life? My story is simply my parents living out a life of faith with our family, being a part of this community of faith and worship. But I can certainly look back in those early years and pinpoint several times when the life of Christ surged through me and around me, and I knew it. I remember a trip to Haiti with the high school ministry here to work with our ministry partners there and encountering for the first time in my life systematic poverty and deep need and witnessing a vibrant Haitian church who depended on God for everything. Life was pulsing through our brothers and sisters in Haiti. Wow, that was amazing. I remember going to college and finding I was no longer under my parents' faith. Did I really belong to Christ? Well, yes. Discovered that the life of Jesus really did flow in my veins, and I knew it. Signs of life. You know, our mission in the world is not to invite people to follow a set of tablets or laws or written instructions. That's death. None of us can live up to the letter of the law. The law was given to show us how much we need a savior, but it cannot save. Rather, our mission is to bear witness to the spirit of God who is moving in the world and bringing hearts from death to life. Our mission is to invite people to meet Jesus and to invite them to open themselves up in their hearts to the word of God so the spirit can begin writing a new story in their lives. An invitation to relocate confidence in self to confidence in Christ and in doing so to find true life. The Corinthian church had met Jesus. Paul had introduced them to one another, and an outpost of life had taken root in that city. In 1872, an outpost of life took root here in Colorado Springs. First Presbyterian Church was founded that year by Sheldon Jackson, and as Tim indicated last Sunday, we looked at this invitation from our early church leader, Henry Gage, and the year was 1877, and here's that Um, invitation again. It's always been our call to be an outpost of life in this city, to be a church who invites people to meet Jesus in concrete ways with very specific invitations. This is very concrete and very specific, handed to somebody, seven o'clock at the Presbyterian Church, January 1877. Here's your invitation, you are invited. But to be a church who can invite others to meet Jesus with boldness, clarity, and genuine love of neighbor means that we have to rely on Jesus in every way. Paul's message quickly moves, as you see in the text, to the importance of our confidence being in Christ and not in ourselves or in our own competencies. Paul writes in verse four that they are not competent on their own to claim anything for themselves but they are competent, sufficient, and adequate because God has made them so. Their confidence rests on Christ, and so must ours. God has made us sufficient as ministers of the Spirit, and the Spirit, Paul writes, literally makes alive. 
It's an amazing call that we have. Ministers of the one who makes people alive. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Simply put, if our confidence rests in our own abilities, our lives and our life together becomes pretty small, pretty fast. But as human beings created in the image of God, we are made to be alive in Christ and to minister life into a dead world. Pat read to us from Isaiah 58 and we get a picture of God's people ministering life into the world breaking the yoke of injustice, feeding the hungry, providing shelter for the poor wanderer, clothing the naked, satisfying the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Life, life, life. Andy Crouch, who was with us last April for our Christian Life Conference, used the word flourishing when he was with us, and he writes that human beings are meant to flourish, not just to survive, but to thrive, not just to exist, but to explore and expand. To flourish is to be fully alive. The good news of Jesus is the message of life to those who are dead, strength to those who are weak, light to those who walk in darkness, abundance to those who live in scarcity, refuge to those who live in exposure. As image bearers of the living God, we minister such life to others as we minister Christ himself, who according to Andy Crouch, unleashed more flourishing in this world than any other human ever has or ever will. Christ Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the one in whom all our confidence lies. So what does it mean for us to put our confidence in Christ and not in ourselves, to proclaim sufficiency in Christ and not in our own competencies. Andy Crouch suggests that to be an image bearer means to live in paradox. Flourishing comes from both being strong and weak. Let's go back to being a letter of Christ in the world. It's rare these days to get a handwritten note in the mail, perhaps for you too, it is for me. But I have two women in my life from a much older generation, one in California and one in Connecticut, who I've known for over 25 years, who take the time to handwrite me notes consistently. Those letters are precious to me, for in them, they find a freedom somehow to share both the good and the difficult in their lives, to do so with humility and confidence. As I read them, I feel as if I'm talking with them face to face, person to person, and I can picture them setting aside time to sit down and write about their lives and what God is doing in them. It's a discipline these days to engage in letter writing from the heart to take time to chronicle by hand the whole range of human experience and to point to the work of Christ in our lives, especially in difficulty. Perhaps it's merely a sign that we aren't a very thoughtful or reflective culture, or just simply that our communication has become more transactional than transformational. But as we follow Paul's travels, it's easy to see that Paul writes letters from the heart he shares boldly and vulnerably. 
Every word he writes points to Christ. He's incredibly strong in delivering his message of Christ, but he is also open about his own weaknesses. He never shies away from speaking the truth of Jesus with boldness, but he also lays his life and heart open as he writes about his difficulties. Even in the midst of misunderstanding and hurt, he speaks tenderly to his flock in Corinth about his heart for them, his thankfulness for their lives, and his own struggles with them. We know that Paul spends a lot of time in prison. He goes wherever the spirit leads, even into tough places. He is bold and gentle. He is confident and vulnerable. When it comes to being a minister of the spirit of Christ and bringing the message of life, Paul holds nothing back. He is strong and weak. The only explanation being that his confidence is fully in Christ, the giver of life. He'll write later, in 2 Corinthians, and we'll get to this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then in chapter 12, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If we are to be a letter of Christ in the world, it will mean allowing the world to see the gospel alive in jars of clay. It will mean allowing the strength of Christ to shine through our weaknesses. It will mean we speak boldly for Christ while allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, even to experience woundedness. And it means we move towards those who are at risk, vulnerable, naked, hungry, in need of shelter, in need of rescue, and we minister life in the name of Christ. But the true joy of being Christ's letter in the world is that the letter ultimately is not about you. It's about Christ in you, the only hope for a broken world. Confidence in weakness, confidence to the weak, confidence in Christ alone. Amen? As we come to this table, we recognize that it represents both the strength and the vulnerability of Christ. This is a table of bold proclamation of the rescue of Christ and a table where we experience the humility and the obedience to death of our risen Lord. We eat from this table with confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in our Lord. All who are weak, all who are wounded, all who long for the flourishing of Christ in their lives and who long to follow in his footsteps are invited. This is a table of confidence for the weak. Let's prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.